Welcome to our second episode of Parenting Through Chaos with your co-host here, myself, Joanna, and Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. So, as we begin tonight, I'm just going to throw this out there and bet that our podcast is not the first parenting resource our listeners have sought out. Yeah, that's probably a safe assumption. Right? So, whether you read a parenting book, attended a parenting class, asked another parent for advice, or maybe even listened to another parenting podcast, <clears throat> you are still searching for answers on how to handle difficult situations and get your kid to change. And to be frank, we started this podcast because we think we have something to offer. Now, clearly, we're aware of our own biases. However, what makes our podcast different from the hundreds and thousands of parenting stuff that's already out there is that we are focused on teaching you many of the same skills that therapists use to facilitate change in children's behaviors. And the approach we take is backed by decades of research and is actually based on a therapeutic approach where therapists teach parents the same kinds of skills that us therapists use in the clinic. I sometimes hear of common approaches to, mm -hmm. quote, fixing the kids. And the focus is often on addressing behavior by focusing on the behavior. We get rewards, right. we get punishments um, to say certain things, to get them to feel bad about their behavior. And, you know, that part we won't have mm -hmm. a lot of similarities to, but there are some similarities to what we're going to teach and, and our approach <laughs> that we have for these chaotic moments. But the approach we're going to take on this podcast doesn't just focus on changing your child's external behaviors by focusing on the external behaviors alone. Our goal is to teach you skills that will change your child's external behaviors by focusing on their inner world, like how they view themselves, how they view their world. So, right, without the, all the mumbo jumbo, what does that actually mean? <laughs> so, well, let me share a few examples. So, I know a child who struggled doing things like buckling their seatbelt in the car and going to the bathroom on their own and changing their clothes on their own. They're always asking for help and it was taking a long time. And there weren't any developmental delays. They didn't have any physical limitations. This child just didn't want to do those things. Well, we could have worked on changing their behavior by, by offering rewards like M&Ms and Skittles or dishing out punishments. Like you're going to lose everything if you, if you don't uh, get dressed by yourself. We really could have just focused on those external behaviors. But what was the underlying thing? So in this child's inner world, they viewed themselves as weak and incapable and that phrase would actually come out a lot when they were trying to go to the bathroom or get dressed or buckle their seatbelt. They'd repeat, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I need you to do this for me. And if we only focus on that external behavior of, okay, if you buckle your seatbelt, I'll give you a treat. We never actually address that internal view of being weak and being helpless and being incapable. But if we can help that child believe they're strong and help that child believe that they are capable from within, well, then those behaviors begin to naturally change mm -hmm. and they begin to naturally align with that inner belief about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It makes me think of another example. And I'm, I'm sure we could come up with hundreds and thousands of examples from personal experience yeah. alone, <laughs> but um, it makes me think of like where a child would often scream or yell or act out. Now we could punish that child or even offer some external rewards to change that problem behavior, right? Um, but that wouldn't really address their internal world. 
as you said, where they genuinely believed that everyone hated them and the only way to connect with others was through conflict. However, when that child believed and felt that they were loved and accepted and they felt heard and understood without judgment, then that problem behavior kind of becomes naturally like a natural change as an outcome of that yeah. from that new internal belief from within, as you said. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that our behavior is very closely tied to how we view ourselves and how we view our relationships with others. Like really one way that we think about this is that our view of ourselves and our view of the world influences our thoughts mm -hmm. and our thoughts influence our feelings. And that combination of thoughts and feelings really drives and influences our behavior. Yeah. And that's the way, you know, we approach things a little differently. We approach things by changing the child's behavior is to first focus really on what's going on inside, on that internal view that they have of themselves and of others and of the world around them. And when a child truly authentically feels capable and confident, they behave in that way. Um, and yeah. However, when a child feels out of control, their behavior is going to reflect that. When a child feels yeah. scared, their behavior is going to reflect that too. And while there are many other factors that affect behavior. Right. Yeah. So like there's lots of, of things. So hunger, being tired, being sick or injured. Yeah. And there are also factors related to being neurodivergent or having um, physical or intellectual um, disabilities as well. And I'll speak for myself when I'm hungry, I get hangry. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there are many, many uh, factors that can affect a child's behavior. Um, but what research has really shown is that at, at its core, at its true core, a child's internal view of themselves and their relationships with others has really like a huge in influence on their behavior long-term too. When we focus only on the external behaviors and we only focus on rewards and, and punishment and conditioning <laughs> and mm -hmm. your child's behavior may change because, you know, they, they'll become compliant and they'll, they'll develop some response mechanisms and things like that. But to have a deeper level of change, we want to focus on that internal change first, how they really feel about themselves, how they feel about us and their relationship. Do they feel strong? Do they feel capable? Do they feel safe? Do they feel understood? So Joanna, how can parents influence their child's interview of themselves and the world? Well, yeah, we can help them because the way we view ourselves and the way our children view themselves and others is heavily shaped by the interactions and experiences they've had and the messages they receive from others, right? It could be people from YouTube or from other, from parents, from teachers, from friends, social media. We are really parenting in a different world right now, especially um, with advancement in technology. And and the thing is, it's, it, it kind of cycles. So our experiences shape our view of ourselves and our view of ourself drives our thoughts and our feelings and our behaviors. And our behavior then affects those interactions and the experiences we have with others and those messages that we receive from others. And then of course, that continues to shape our view of ourself and that cycle just begins again and again. Yeah. And our goal then as parents, right, is to have these positive interactions and experiences with our children and to communicate uplifting messages so that our children really have a healthier view of themselves. So to believe that they're capable, they not only need to hear that message, but also have experiences where they actually 
are capable and to believe they're accepted. They not just need to hear, you know, I love you from, from the parents, but they need to actually have experiences and interactions where they actually are accepted. So what they they're hearing and truly feeling is in alignment. It's in alignment. That's a key word right there. Alignment. I like that. Yeah. That's a big thing that has happened in my life where it's like, guys, I love you. But then it's like, but the experiences that we're having where I'm yelling all the time or kind of getting like really short tempered, they're not experiencing the, I love you. They're hearing it, but they're not experiencing it. So in one word, it's kind of about our relationship. Like within a healthy relationship, children have healthy, and I'm going to use the word growth oriented interactions. And they're going to hear uplifting and growth oriented messages. And they're going to have positive, I'm going to use the word again, growth oriented experiences. Maybe I need to find a replacement for growth oriented, but just, I like the idea of thinking they're having interactions, messages, and experiences that are promoting their growth from within, helping them feel confident, helping them have a sense of self-control. And and it's really from those experiences, interactions that children develop a healthy view of themselves, which then affects how they behave and how they interact with others. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And honestly, when we work with children as therapists, that's exactly what we're doing, really. We created this therapeutic relationship where they can both be genuine, where they feel accepted and empowered. And we also establish boundaries as therapists, right? It's not do whatever you want, whenever you want. Um, Kids can feel however they want when they're with us in the therapeutic environment, but they can't do whatever they want. So there are healthy boundaries to keep everyone safe and property safe. And so, and we'll get to that in later episodes, but our point right now is that in this podcast, we're going to talk about how parents can apply the same relationship skills in their home so that their children can experience a healthy relationship with acceptance, respect, understanding, and boundaries. And they can have positive interactions and experiences and hear those kinds of messages. So Joanna, what are, what can they do to create some good interactions and start communicating some positive messages to their kids and and really start impacting their relationship with their children, like right when they are finished with this podcast? Okay, well, since we're running short on time, we're going to share three easy things you can do right after you finish listening. First, go home and give your child a sandwich hug. If you have a partner or a spouse, go to pick up your child and the three of you do a big group hug. Say, hmm, I'm having a Sally sandwich hug. It's so yummy. And give your kid a few kisses or pretend to eat their shoulder or something. So have Sally, little Sally in the middle and the both of you just come from both sides and give a big squeeze and a sandwich hug and or a sandwich kiss where you both plant kisses on that little Sally's cheek at the same time. I know my kids love it. They eat it up. <laughs> my kids love that. So I actually did that with our four-year-old earlier today. And he was, he was literally giggling. The We did it for like... 30 or 40 seconds. And he, he just loved it. Yeah. Awesome. I, we love it in our household too. And if you're a single parent or your spouse is traveling or whatever, do a sandwich hug with a sibling or one of the other children or another close adult friend, or even a stuffed animal, you know, Mr. Teddy bear and Sally in the middle and you, they love it. The giggling they'll, they'll, they'll love it. Um, so there are many kind of ways you can kind of accommodate and make modifications to the sandwich hug. Yeah. Um, now, now that may not always fly. Uh, some kids don't actually like lots of close contact. They may not like having you 
you know, bite their shoulder and, mm-hmm. and eat a, a sandwich hug, or um, they might be like 16, 17, maybe they're not going to go for these sandwich hugs. So, so <laughs> what are some other ideas uh, yeah. that we can do to still build positive interactions, have positive experiences and, and positive messages? What are some other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, your kid best, right? So, you know, if your kid doesn't love hugs or too, too much touching, or if they have some sensory aversions and, you know, they're, they're going to have a meltdown or they're going to throw. So, you know, your child best, or if your child's 14, 15, 16, and you have an older child, they're not going to love the idea. Most likely of a sandwich <laughs> hug or kiss. They may, they might they Maybe. May. Maybe right. give it a try. They give may. A try. So, yeah. You know, your kid best, but there are many ideas you can do. Another idea is write your kid a note. It can be a long note. It can be a short note, whatever, a sticky note, but in the notes, Describe something that you noticed about them. It can be physical trait or quality trait, um, whatever. Just let them know you love them and that you notice them. Yeah, I love that. So um, that works. I think that would work great for older children. It works great for younger children. My wife actually did that the other Mm -hmm. day and the child she wrote that for loved it. And if your child can't read, so if your child's three or four, draw a picture of you two together or write a little note and just read it out loud. Say, Hey, I I wrote a note about you and here's what it says. Who wouldn't want it? Who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't love that? I want to know, tell me how awesome I am all the time. And that somebody's noticing me, but you know, this isn't about me. So third thing is (laughs) come up with some kind of routine. Like, like we said, a secret handshake, a high five sequence. Kids love this stuff. It makes it really personal and that, and that connection, um, And kids really love this, right? And you can do this each time you see them. It's like your special thing. So it really does strengthen and build that bond between you and your child. Yeah. And the thing I I really like about all three of these is, you know, so many times our interactions with our kids are get off the screen, eat all your veggies, uh, do your homework, clean your room, uh, go to bed, take a shower, take a bath, get dressed, stop yelling. Usually the interactions we're having, the experiences they're having with us are often us telling them to stop or to sit down or do something different. And it, yeah. it really, when it, like it really then changes the dynamics. If you say, Hey, I'm going to notice you, but it's not for something negative. Let's do our secret hand. And I do that with my, my, a couple of my kids really like the secret handshake. We do this whole thing. It's not always the same each time <laughs> we do change it up a little bit. We're not, we can't always we'll remember. Forget. Yeah. We forget. <laughs> But they, they love it. They love the secret handshake. They love the sandwich hugs. And yeah, the note, like your interactions are noticing them and it's, yeah. it's an uplifting interaction, an uplifting experience. And that's, they're hearing the message, but then they're also experiencing, oh, huh. Like mom and dad are, are seeing me and noticing me. That's like, that's a nice experience to have. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We're having so much fun with this and I hate to cut you short because I love all these ideas. I love talking about something we're passionate about. And we want to share these things with you, but um, we are running short on time, right? Um, <laughs> so we don't want to keep you. Yes. Yes. I know. I'm sure our listeners have things to do and places to go. So we hope you learned something new or were at least reminded of what you already know, that it's your relationship with your child that matters most. And it's through that relationship that you and your child will be able to grow and change. And it's really the foundation for parenting through chaos. Until next time. 